Could I interest anyone today in the most misleading headline of all time? Because I saw it last night on Facebook. Go figure. The most oh, wow, misleading Tyler. headline of all wow. time comes on Facebook. Shocking. Seriously, like I got scared last night. I'm scrolling through Facebook real quick, and I see, um, I see this. Just in, the Oklahoma Sooners just lost one of their former top recruits out of nowhere. To which I said, what? What? What happened? I was away from things for two hours, and all of a sudden they lost one of their top recruits out of nowhere. That's what the headline says. I click on it, and I say, oh, they're talking about Daryl Simpson that happened earlier today. Yes, Daryl Simpson. He of one career appearance at the University of Oklahoma. That is no slight to Daryl Simpson. Okay, I I hope he has a great career if he likes By all accounts, he is an outstanding human being and a very nice person. Yeah, and I hope the absolute best. Sincerely, I hope the absolute best for him. Moving forward, if he's playing college football, if he's not, whatever. But, dang, the Oklahoma Sooners just lost one of their former top recruits out of nowhere. I'm, like, going through my brain saying, who did they just randomly lose via the portal? What happened? Okay, they're talking about Daryl Simpson. I won't won't call out who put out this misleading headline, but it does rhyme with Oklahoma diehards, just in case you're wondering. I, uh, I've just been amazed that, I, I mean, I, I guess it's impressive. It caught my attention in the, in the attention of everyone else, man, but it's, man, I, we're at that point where guys are getting processed. And unfortunately, as you, as you looked over this roster at the conclusion of spring ball, there were some very likely candidates and those likely candidates were Nathan Rollins, Kabange. Noah Renze and Daryl Simpson. Like if if there were three guys that were on the chopping block, where you just kind of figured, you know, for one reason or another, they just don't have much of a future at Oklahoma. Those three were at the top of the list, and lo and behold, they are all now in the portal. Yeah. Um. Oh, what a Cole Adams day yesterday. Wasn't it great? One of my favorite days in a long, long time. Did you get I- to talk about it on the rush? Are Are you kidding me? Of course, we talked about Cole Adams on the rush. Okay. Good. Yes. I was- Couple times actually, it was it was very enjoyable to continue on with uh, with Cole Adams Day, and I can't wait to ask Travis Davidson coming up at two thirty five where he was when he heard the news that Cole Adams was offered by <laughs> OU because we all remember where we were when Cole Adams was offered by OU. But did you hear anything else coming out of that last night? And do you feel like OU's chances are better today than you thought they were twenty four hours ago, or? It, it looks kind of like the same. Here. Yeah, again, I'm still kind of maintaining a holding pattern with all of it until Friday when I get the chance to go up to Tulsa and check out Cole and several other high-end Tulsa football prospects. So uh, we'll see, I guess, for now. And then, like People aren't going to like to hear that for the next couple of days. They're going to be like, we want an update. We want an update. Can't give you one just yet. Look, the reality with going face-to-face with these guys is they'll tell you a lot of things. When you look them in the eye, they won't tell you over the phone. And so – Oftentimes, the best way to get information out of them and to really get a sense for where their head is at is to meet up with them in person. So that's what I'll do at the Owasso team camp this weekend. Uh, or not this weekend, but I, I suppose Friday evening is technically the weekend. Yeah. But, yeah, I'll go check in with Cole Adams, check in with uh, Micah Tease, check in with Demarion Thomas, three-star defensive lineman out of Union, uh, several others. Uh, in that group that's all going to be at the Owasso team camp. Goes without saying, figuring out a way to close the gap on Cole Adams, getting that four-star wide receiver out of Owasso would be huge 
But that also leads to a question, Parker, and I don't think that Cole Adams is necessarily on the list. At least he's not on my list. But if I were to create like a like a category here, you have to get him. You have to get these guys. You have to land these guys in the 2023 recruiting class. And I'm talking about non-committed players right now. I've got three on my list. You can give me one. You can give me two, three, however many you want. But who are the guys in this particular class that owe you for the future, for the immediate, like they just, for the perception, whatever? They just have to land these guys when it's all said and done. Okay, I want to hear your list first. Uh, David Stone, just because I think that he plays a very important position, defensive line. Clearly, he's got some Oklahoma ties going to play at IMG Academy oh, this so year. I can, I can go beyond the oh, 2023 Yeah, sorry, sorry. I, I mentioned 2023, including 2024 as well. Okay, uh, Including perfect, a couple other perfect. classes there. Um, I, again, I think offensive line is very key. And where you're at right now with Caden Green, I think you've got to close with him. And then uh, I, someone who OU is trending very nicely for right now, uh, we thought it was P.J. Adebaware. How do you actually pronounce it? Adebaware. Adebaware. Those, those are my three. What do you think about my three that I have? I'm looking at the important impact positions that they play, where OU sits right now. I'm looking at a lot of things for those particular three guys. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you a couple from the 2023 class, and since you expanded to 2024, I'll give you one uh, from that group as well. If we're looking at 2023, the two guys at the top of my list, I agree with you on Atabare just because of how the Sooners are trending uh, in that recruitment. Like If that one takes a drastic turn, that's one that's really going to hurt, especially because yeah, I'm going to say this, and a lot of folks may raise their, raise their eyebrows at it. P.J. Atabare is a guy that could be a five-star by yeah, the end sure. of the cycle. Like He's had a he's, great he's offseason. He's got that type of ceiling. He does. He's got that type of body. He's got that type of – physical skill set and moreover last year was his first year of playing defensive end and so if his senior tape matches up to what he's shown on the camp circuit thus far this offseason he's going to rise even more than he already has and I think he'll be top 100 by the time his senior season rolls around there's a real good chance he could push for that fifth star. It's not often you see guys make a meteoric rise like that from being unranked after their junior season to be in a five-star when it's all said and done, but Adabari could be one of those guys. Seems like every time he goes to a camp, the big takeaway is he's not just one of the dudes. He, he was the dude, the dude that, was, that was out there. Yeah, yeah. he is the dude. Uh, he is one of the most impressive players in this entire recruiting cycle. And what I love about PJ, Tyler, is he just he's not about any BS in the recruiting process. That's a Texas first. A&M and Nebraska both offered him. Wanted him to come visit, check things out. They both actually wanted him to take officials. And he, he straight up told him no. <laughs> like, Think about this, Tyler. If you're a four-star football prospect these days and Nebraska and Texas A&M wants you to come on visits, whether it's for NIL or tradition or relationships or whatever the case may be, you're at least going to give those programs the time of day, right? Sure, absolutely. PJ, if nothing else, just for a free official trip. Exactly. And PJ said, nope, you know what? I've already got relationships at OU, at Georgia, at Iowa, at Northwestern. I'm going to focus on those four. Everybody else is out. So that's just the type of kid that PJ is. I love it. It's no nonsense. Low drama. He is a Brent Venables football player. He fits the mold. So, yes, Oklahoma needs to get him, and I think they will. My crystal ball reflects that. 
Player number two from the 2023 class. And this, I guess this one's kind of out of left field. It's probably a name that not a whole lot of folks are going to expect me to say here. Makari Vickers. We have not talked a lot about this kid. No, we have not. Four-star defensive back out of Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, Can play safety, can play cornerback. The Sooners like him at corner, as do most of the other programs that are in the running for him. He just released a top eight over the weekend. His only locked-in official visit right now is with the Sooners for the Champion Barbecue. So Oklahoma's in a very good spot here. And the reason I think this is so pivotal is because you look at the rest of the board at cornerback, there's just not a whole lot left to work with if you don't get Makari Vickers. Sure. If, if you're talking about being able to land an elite cornerback, you need to get this guy because if he commits to Alabama or to Miami or to Texas, then you're kind of up a creek without a paddle. And you got to do some late finagling and maneuver in order to score a couple of cornerbacks that are going to be capable of playing high-level ball at Oklahoma. So those are my two in the class of 2023. If I'm looking ahead to 2024, man, you got to get Peyton Pierce if you're Oklahoma. Yeah. You have to. With all the ties he's got to the university, that is not a recruitment you can afford to choke away. And I find it hard to believe that Oklahoma is going to manage to do that because this seems – as close to a slam dunk as I have ever felt about a recruitment this far out in the process. I think it's going to be very hard for Oklahoma not to end up with Peyton Pierce. But, again, one way or another, you've got to make sure that one doesn't go sideways because he is all OU, at least right now, has been all OU his entire life, diehard Sooner fan. And if Danny Stutzman on steroids is a thing – and is a human being, that's Peyton Pierce. Danny Stussman doesn't need to be on steroids. He's fine as it, is that's right what now. I'm saying. But if that's what I'm saying. If he's bigger than Danny Stutzman and he's got the sideline to sideline speed of Danny Stutzman, he he might be okay. Yeah, he, Peyton, he might Pierce, be right. Peyton Pierce may turn out to be the number one running back in that cycle. And I'll, I'll throw out a bonus as well. I'll throw out a fourth. Stacey Gage. Yeah. It's about time Oklahoma got a five-star running back. Yeah, it and really is, man. And, and they've been fine at running back here recently, but they need another dude back there because you know what? That's what Alabama's had here recently. They always have – they've got depth at running back, but they've also got a dude that if they need to against someone good, Parker, they can hand it off 20, 25 times to their dude at running back, and they're going to make a lot of big plays. And with that – Gives you an edge in recruiting, man, because I saw a quote today from Richard Young. Big-time running back, OU, he's going to take an official visit. But Bama, what, what Richard Young's from the state of Florida, correct? Is yeah. that right? Yes, he is. Um, he's like, hey, I mean, Bama's running back you. It's hard to disagree with that because they have depth, sure, but they always have one guy who looks like one of the best running backs in the country. Yeah, look, Richard Young's not coming to Oklahoma. Don't operate under that expectation or even that hope. It is the longest of long shots that Richard Young is a Sooner come December. But how often is it, Tyler, that you get a five-star running back that just so happens to be from Hugo, Oklahoma? That is one you cannot afford to screw No, up. yeah, so, yeah. Oklahoma's yes. got to have Stacey Gates. Yeah, um, you, you, mentioned, um, you mentioned the state of Florida j- just a couple of minutes ago, and I, I would throw in – I guess I did. I threw in David Stone. He's not a native of Florida, but he's going to be playing high school football in Florida – I don't have the exact numbers right in front of me in terms of OU offers, but it feels like they're three most offered states right now. 
the state of Texas, probably the state of Oklahoma, and the state of Florida. We knew that they were going to be aggressive, but they are in the state of Florida. And I think it's key, Parker, that in this first recruiting cycle, first full recruiting cycle, you're able to get kids from Florida to establish a pretty nice footprint there. You know, it's interesting, Tyler, you bring that up. I actually think, and I, I need to go back and check out the numbers as well, I actually believe offhand right now that the Sooners' most offered state is actually the state of Georgia. Yeah. They made a just huge, in that area, huge push, they, into Georgia, and they are not—they're not, not going to stop in the southeast. And you got to get—you got to get some signees out of that area. I think in the early going, yes, that bode really well for you for the future, especially as you move to the SEC. It's pivotal. Caden Green, by the way, just mentioned him. He is committing on July eighth. That's going to be around what around a month after the Champu barbecue. Yeah, that'll be on the heels of all five of his official visits. His last OV is to Missouri on June twenty fourth. So. He'll have about two weeks there, and then he'll pull the trigger on the 8th of July. Got to still feel uh, pretty good about that one. Right? Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to end up taking a tie line and spending that afternoon in Lee Summit, Missouri. Nice. All right, cool. Yeah. What about Phil Picciotti is on the text line? Yeah, I, I, I mean, the linebacker linebacker spot, sure. I I feel like you have some really good young depth there with uh, Kanick and Stutzman, for sure, but... Getting a guy like Phil Picciotti, four-star out of Pennsylvania, I don't know if I'd put him in this list, Parker, but he's 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 definitely an important dude. There's there's no doubt about that. Yeah, and especially now that Penn State is out of the running. Now that Penn State is out of the running, it is abundantly evident that Oklahoma is the leader in Phil Picciotti's recruitment. So again, you jump out to a lead for a guy like that that, by all accounts, you're not supposed to get. One of those players that you just generally would have – no prayer of landing, whether for geographical reasons or relational reasons, whatever the case, you end up in a prime spot for a kid like that, you got to close. Uh, 817 area code, Oklahoma can get a five-star running back. The question is, can they get him across the finish line on signing day? See Alabama. Yes, Ugh. everyone's still. Uh, what was it, Jace McClellan and uh, Kamar Wheaton. That still stings quite a bit for a lot of OU fans. They have not forgotten it, though. <laughs> the recruitment of Kamar Wheaton, kind of no harm, no foul there not getting him. Uh, yeah, he's at SMU right now. Folks. And then uh, Jace McClellan, has he ever seen any significant snaps at Alabama? He's played a little bit at Alabama, not substantially. I'm not saying that you still don't wish you probably would have had those guys. It was more about you kind of put all your eggs in one basket, that that uh, recruiting cycle for Kamar Wheaton. That was it more than anything. But, uh, but yeah, I, hey – when you are recruiting head up against Alabama, especially at the running back position, they've got an edge right now um, that I think no one else in college football has when it comes to backs. They've got the best closers in the game. It, it's it's hard, man. I mean, that's it's the elite school right now. And they, they've got some elite pitches right now that not everyone else in the country has. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they do need to – Close a little bit stronger, I, I guess, against Alabama in the future. Let's let's hope that happens. And I'm continually curious as to what Oklahoma's running back class looks like here in 2023 because obviously DeMarco made the rookie mistake, and we can acknowledge that he made the rookie mistake putting all his eggs in the Kamar Wheaton basket and uh, coming up empty on signing day in the class of 2021, but recovered very nicely with Sawchuck and Javante Barnes. You look ahead to 2024 again, you got to have Stacey Gage. Got to have him. But in 2023, man, it's a little bit more wide open right now in terms sure. of who Oklahoma ends up with because it's not going to be Richard Young. It's just not. Got Dylan Edwards on the board. Got Dalen Smothers on the board. Sergio Snyder and Caleb Hicks. Real quick. You get two. Get two out of those four. 
Real quick on the text line, I mentioned young linebackers. I said Canick and Stutzman. Why y'all never mention Kobe McKenzie? He will be better than Canick. Uh, how's Kobe McKenzie look? Haven't heard much about him. Honestly, I heard way more about some other linebackers than I did Kobe McKenzie. And yeah, maybe, which is fine. And maybe Kobe McKenzie in time is going to turn out to be a really good linebacker, but I would take Jaron Canick right now over Kobe McKenzie. Yeah, Jaron Canick also has an e- easier path to snaps because he plays the outside linebacker slash cheetah position. Uh, that's what he has the capacity to play. Kobe McKenzie is an inside linebacker. He is a middle linebacker through and through, and right now you have Danny Stutzman firmly entrenched as your starter, maybe the best player on that entire defense, and you got David Aguebu in the mix yeah. as well. All right, hey, we'll get to more of your text coming up next on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We'll be heading up the turnpike next segment. Talk to our good buddy Travis Davidson about Cole Adams Day yesterday and a whole lot of other OU things. Uh, I will be at the Oklahoma City Caravan tomorrow night at the Omni Hotel from 2 to 6. So all you Sooner fans that are coming out, come by, say hi, show me you have the ref app, and I'll uh, give you a free t-shirt. I think Parker's even going to come hang out for a little bit, right? I'll be there. Wow, it must be a big deal if Parker Thune's going to come hang out for a couple minutes, hand out some t-shirts, sign some autographs. You need to let every OU fan sign your cast. That's not. Is it really a yeah, cast? It, well, it's not really signable. That's the thing because it's not hard. Like it's, it's a soft splint. It's not an actual cast. So it's really just tape wrapped around my arm. Okay. Because I was getting offended that you didn't ask me to sign your cask, uh, cast, cask, cast it all this week. That's yeah. that's good to See, know. Well, no I, one else I, has. You know, I've got this. I've got the splint on the underside of my arm, or like the outside of my arm. So if you want it, I guess you could technically sign that little portion of it but for the most part like it's just going to be an yeah. exercise in futility we got a lot of questions on the air comfort solutions text line 405-651-3439 i just wanted to make an observation uh from something there is a three-star safety in san antonio by the name of tyler turner sounds like it's down to ou in oregon six foot 180 what arkansas baylor auburn texas usc also in on that yeah he was formerly committed to baylor as a matter of fact I feel like there have been recruiting battles between OU and Oregon in the past, not a ton. (laughs) But, man, there are so many prospects right now, Parker, where I see, oh, well, here's OU, here's Oregon, here's three other schools, here's OU, here's Oregon. OU and Oregon is more of a recruiting battle, much more of a recruiting battle than OU and USC is right now. I see OU and Oregon on several battles, and – I'm not hearing a whole lot about OU USC or really USC on the national scale as much as I'm hearing about Oregon. They're they're getting after it, dude. Well, and Oregon is going to recruit from much the same pockets that Oklahoma will recruit from because Brent Venables hails from Salina, Kansas. Dan Lanning hails from Kansas City. So when we're talking about the regional relationships that they have developed, you also got to keep in mind Brent Venables was defensive coordinator at Clemson and Dan Lanning was defensive coordinator at Georgia. So geographically – they overlap more than once when you're talking about the areas and the vicinities that they have traditionally called home on the recruiting trail. Also, OU basketball news sounds like uh, OU got an addition via the portal. Yeah, uh, Grant Sherfield from Nevada. I mean, he's originally a Fort Worth kid, but at Nevada last year, he he uh, took his name out of the NBA draft. 
Uh, he's coming back to play college basketball. He's going to do it at OU. 19.1 points per game, 6.4 assists, 4.2 rebounds. He's a 6'2 guard. I'll be honest, Parker, I did, have, did not go back and watch any Grant Sherfield uh, film or anything like that. But just judging by the numbers, he looks like the type of guy that they needed last year, which I mean, is someone that can go get you a bucket. No, th- this is one of the highest impact transfers in this cycle across college basketball. The addition of Grant Sherfield, especially in conjunction with Joe Bamisiel, is going to be huge for Oklahoma. How often, Tyler, do you find a darn near 20 points per game scorer in the portal? It doesn't happen all no. that often. And I mean, what was Mo get? Do, do you know offhand? 13. How, thir- okay, yeah. 13. There you go. So you replace a 13 points per game guy with a 19 points per game guy, and obviously you can say, okay, well, one did that in the Big 12, the other did in the Mountain West. Sure. But the point is, Grant Sherfield is one of the most elite scorers that was available in the portal this time around in college basketball. And for the Sooners to land him and convince him to develop for at least one more year under Porter Moser in Norman rather than taking a chance and trying to find somewhere to land professionally – it's huge for Moser. They still have two open scholarship spots, so they're not done in the portal by any stretch of the imagination. But to replace Mo Gibson and Elijah Harkless with Joe Bamisil and Grant Sherfield, that's arguably an upgrade. And you don't want to pass judgment until you see him on the court, but you look at what those two have done. You look at how highly regarded Bamisil was, in particular coming out of high school. You can argue that the Sooners lost Gibson and Harkless and actually upgraded. Yeah. All right, here's an interesting text. Guys, I like your information, but listening to your discussion of Cole Adams shows you really don't understand what's going on behind the scenes at BV's OU. I realize the style is different for all of us to accept, but to think these top-ranked recruiters aren't having behind-the-scenes conversation with guys like Adams is foolish. Oh, no, no, no. Here's the thing. Yes, they are having behind-the-scenes conversations and have when, been for months and months. Yeah, when, when did we say that they we, – we just told you last week that Cale Gundy was up in Owasso to see Cole Adams in person. And Cale Gundy has been in contact with Cole Adams every day for a long time. And so that has all the more led us to the natural question, okay, well, if you're recruiting the kid, why haven't you offered the kid? And, it, it, look, it, it is a bad look, and I think it's something that Oklahoma can eventually overcome. But we can all acknowledge that it's a bad look when everybody's clamoring for this kid to get the OU offer, and you're already months behind the likes of Alabama and LSU and Tennessee, and yet you still hold the phone on offering him, even after going to evaluate him in person, until your only wide receiver commit in the class flips to Oregon. Sure, It's not the greatest look. Uh, OU is in the running for Green and Kirkland. Any other offensive linemen? That's on the text line. Uh, Yeah, so you got Josh Bates committed, obviously. Uh, When you're looking at the guys that are going to visit for the Champion Barbecue, the Sooners, I would imagine, feel pretty confident, and I'm continuing to have conversations about these guys to try to get to the bottom of exactly where OU stands with them. Uh, But the Sooners are hosting three offensive tackles besides Kirkland, Bates, Green. Uh, So you take a look at those three. OU obviously has Bates committed in ideal position to land green and trend him pretty well for Peyton Kirkland. They're also hosting Wilkin Formby, four-star offensive lineman out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Bryson Sanders from Tennessee, and Logan Howland out of New Jersey. If Oklahoma can land one of those three, 
then you're in really good shape provided you close on Green and Kirkland because you get four offensive linemen. That's a pretty solid class. If you want to take a fifth, great. It's gravy. But if not, you got four solid road graders that you can stick into Bill Biedenboe's room next year. The Sooners kind of cooled on Miles McVay, the four-star out of St. Louis. Um, I'll be honest, I think that's probably due to the fact that Miles McVay is just a really, really big human being. Six foot six, three hundred fifty eight pounds, and That's huge. You, you think about guys that Oklahoma has recruited in recent years that kind of fit that physical mold. Wow, really? Well, you throw him in there. Well, it's Bray Walker and Daryl Simpson. Man. So when you're talking about guys that just have a ton of size and aren't very moldable in that sense. Maybe there's a little bit of a sour taste in Bill Beaton's book. Wasn't there a guy on the roster, David Swaby? He's like six David foot eight. Swaby, He's like yep. six foot eight, something like that. He, he may fit in that mold, too. Exactly. So, again, those aren't the type of guys, from a physical standpoint, that have had much success at the University of Oklahoma. All right, someone wants me to do the OU announcer voice. Okay, it's Kyle and Broken Bow. General Booty, 38-yard pass completion to Cole Adams. First down, <laughs> Sooners. Oh, I love it. And it says, defending for Alabama, Jaleel Hurley. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, where does OU stand with Jaquazy Petaway? I'm not terribly optimistic, but I acknowledge that Oklahoma has a chance. And getting him on campus for the third time in 2022 at the Champion Barbecue is going to be big. Um, kind of too early to project where he ends up he doesn't appear to be leaning any particular direction and so that's the type of recruitment where yeah you know what oh you could make a run but as of right now i wouldn't project that he becomes a sooner this is an outstanding question and oh i would love to go on a diatribe about this can you guys tell me why will levis suddenly became a potential top five overall pick next year out of nowhere his agent needs a yeah and and, and i'm i like kentucky going into this year and uh, said it multiple times past couple weeks, 10 wins, two of the past four years. But, yeah, he is like being thrown into the discussion of the third-best quarterback next year in the NFL draft. I mean, Which is not true. He's not he, It's all the same people, yeah, all the same people, yeah, Tyler, that were touting Brock Purdy as a future top-five draft pick. By the way, Kyle and Broken Arrow, you're welcome for the OUPA guy voice. Um, but that would be awesome if that situation were to come true because it means – Pretty early on in the SEC, Alabama comes to Norman. And we've seen some great atmospheres, dude. Notre Dame coming here was great. There's a history between those two programs. Ohio State coming to Norman, it was awesome. That was rowdy. Tennessee, but Alabama coming to Norman, that'll be a little bit different. It'll be a league game. I'm going to guess they're still going to be ripping off national titles left and right. It'll be... When Bama comes to town, I think it'll be the most anticipated home game since Nebraska in 2000. What do you think about that? Wow, that's saying a lot. It is saying a lot. But I think I would agree. With the status of their program where they're at right now, yeah. it'd be it'd be huge. All right, Travis Davidson coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Oh, yeah, to the 918 we go. Our buddy Travis Davidson, who is my co-host Fridays in the offseason. Happy to have Travis still in his regular spot Every Wednesday at 2.35. Travis, where were you when OU extended the Cole Adams offer? Oh, man. Um, I, I think I was at, at, at work, actually. I remember, uh, uh, I remember seeing it, and uh, I, it's funny because I started getting text messages like, it was it was funny. I was getting almost congratulations. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, like you don't have to answer questions about this anymore. I think is what people were getting at. I was like, man, that's sweet. I knew I 
reached out to reached out to Parker. I know that much. And like, finally, we did we did it. We did we. You know what? We we talked about this ad nauseum, and uh, and now the Cole Adams uh, offer has happened. And man, I feel good about it. So uh, yeah, where were you guys? Uh, I was sitting here in this very chair. I was about to say, one of you on the radio, no doubt, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay, so Travis, here's the real question. Uh, How much credit are you taking personally for having pushed the Cole Adams agenda to the point where OU finally offered? Uh, (laughs) 0.001%. But so so still still enough to where, you know, it matters. But 0.001% is probably as high as I'll go on that. You got any feel on where it sits right now? Did OU make up a lot of ground yesterday or Alabama, LSU, and, and maybe another school or two way out in front at this point? People I've talked to feel really good about it because um, uh, that was a, a question that I posed. Actually, um, somebody uh, somebody texted me uh, shortly after uh, I put that out on Twitter and said, finally, and I was like, well, you know, I, I hope he uh, – you know, I, I hope he likes us as much as we like him, and they, they seem to be pretty confident with it. So, uh, yeah, I don't think this thing's out of reach by any means. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of uh, ground to make up just just from a relationship standpoint of, okay, that question's always going to be there, right? Like, man, what took you guys so long? And no matter what, no matter how good the answer is, you know, is it going to be good enough to give them that ease of, okay, I'm going um, But... Um, I'm, I'm happy it happened, and you know, going forward, I think we've got a great shot at it. Hey, now that you're a uh, member of the media, Travis, you going to come hang with me at the Owasso team camp on Friday? Uh, yeah, if I uh, if I can, let's see, I might be in Norman doing radio, but uh, oh, that's true, I forgot about that. Time, yeah, yeah, it's a, you know, he only mentioned it in the open about a minute, Dang. Ago, but I'll <laughs> forgive you. I know. Uh, I li- what? what what time are you going to be down here? I might, I might pop out here with you. Well, if you're going to be in Norman, you probably won't be able to make it back to Tulsa in time if the rush is off the air at 6 because uh, the team camp is 5 to 8, and so I'll be leaving right after our show, probably roll up at like 5.30-ish. By the way, Travis, if you're going to be a legit media member, and I, I hope that you want to be, but you have to complain about the parking, complain about the free meal that is given out. you got to complain about all the free stuff that no one else gets. That's the key to being a Big J, uh, Big J uh, journalism guy. And oh, yeah. cell, phone oh, I- fit, cell phone pick from the press box. Yes. Necessity. Yes. All right, perfect. Yeah, I'll, you know what? Let me. I'll have to write that down. I'll have to uh, when I re-listen to this and take my notes, do my film session, my breakdown as I always do after every Wednesday segment. I'll uh, I'll make sure and write those down. Hey, um, a lot of conversation going on in the SEC right now. They've looked at over what twenty, thirty scheduling models. The the trend is that they're settling on one or two options: the one plus seven schedule model or the three plus six schedule model. Do you prefer? One over the other when, when OU's finally in the SEC? So I like the three plus six because I, I, think, I think I've just rationalized that I think that's what it's going to be. So I think I've talked myself into it enough. I'm still, I'm still pretty anti, like when it comes to scheduling, I'm anti-division. I'm anti-anything that will keep us from playing an opponent for like six or seven years. I mean, how long do we have to go? before we see Alabama and Georgia play themselves, play each other in the regular season. You know, like, that, that, that's the problem. By adding more teams to the SEC, it's like, I want to actually be in the SEC. I want to experience these great environments. 
every, every everybody you put on the schedule that you have to play every single year, and obviously it seems like Texas is always going to be one we play every single year, but the less of those constant games, those consistent annual games that you have, the more the schedule opens up to where you can really go play the entire conference as opposed to maybe twice every decade you get to you get to go to these cool spots, play these teams and things like that. So I'm I'm actually if, if I were in total control, I'd probably just say, hey, you know what the heck with it? We're just gonna we're just gonna mix it up every year. But I, I think it's going three six and I'm on board with that. Okay, Travis, let me ask you the question that both Tyler and I answered at the top of our show. Looking at this 2023 class, you have to pick one player, and we're going to take Cole Adams off the table just for the sake of talking about somebody other than Cole Adams for a second. (laughs) One guy that you feel like Oklahoma has to have in this class, who is it? Oh, has to have. Oh, man. Um, Honestly, as crazy as it sounds, it's Dylan Edwards to me because the running back recruiting, I mean, we, we obviously, you know, we, we lost one to Texas that we didn't really expect to lose to Texas late. Um, we're seeing some other offers go out. Um, you and I have had multiple conversations, multiple, multiple conversations about Braylon Presley and about a, a guy of that size, how I've seen him terrorize people with my own eyes over and over again. And I've seen OU get terrorized by smaller stature players that, just, I mean, Deuce Vaughn's one of them. I mean, I'm I'm not exactly looking forward to playing him again this year, uh, and and I'm just I'm just excited to see what he can do in the offense. And I just I need that running back room to to pick up some steam. But obviously, with you know Gavin Sawchuck uh, and Javante Barnes being our two top ranked recruits in the 2022 cycle, um, you expect you know Demarco Murray with another year under his belt as a big time running back coach to continue to improve his his running back recruiting. Um, so I think I think getting Dylan Edwards in the boat is extremely important. Oh man, the Dylan Edwards haters are slandering you on the text line in real time. Really? Hey, that's, hey, oh, that's well, probably. No, <laughs> no texts have popped up yet. But I, I guarantee they're coming. I, he looks like he's twelve years old. Well, I already told you that he's my favorite <laughs> prospect. I don't think he's the best. He's just my favorite prospect in this year's class, just because yeah, he's well, small but, and he's fast. Yeah, the same the same people that are going to whine about getting Dylan Edwards are going to be the same people crying that we're having a tough time stopping Deuce Vaughn and that the same people that, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Tavon, Darren Sproles, you know, throwing it back a little farther, you know, the guys that looked at Darren Sproles and said, man, I, we, we just can't stop this guy. Why can't we get a guy like this? Well, you know, we, we, we got a short fast that coming. So, you know, if you're sick of being abused by him, go get one of your own. I got to ask Travis this because he put out a tweet a couple days ago taking my Trey's Bar and Grill employees out for an employee appreciation night, and it's been a lot of fun. But karaoke is about to start, so it's about to be on a whole different level. I am fascinated to hear what Travis Davidson likes to sing at karaoke night. What did you go with? Ignition Remix by R. Kelly? So, typically... Typically, I save my my karaoke uh, singing for a little place called the Cat's Meow in New Orleans. That's typically <laughs> my my favorite venue uh, to play. Um, but I'm typically a walking in Memphis guy. Uh, you know, you want to you want you want to read the room and you want to say, okay, do I need a, do I want to pick a song where the crowd can kind of carry it and sing along, um, or you know, do you want to perform? I'm not really into the performance side because I, I wasn't blessed with the talent to uh, you know back that type of performance up. But if a song enough people know, 
Um, I, I'm not the I'm not the guy that ironically raps um, uh, to try and get some laughs and then stumble through the whole thing. I'm not that guy, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, it was uh, man, it was a blast. What do you guys What do you guys think? I know I know you guys uh, probably ignition remix by R. Kelly. <laughs> the the roof almost blows off the place every time I sing it. I'm just telling you because Travis, here's the deal: no one's heard that song in five years. But when they hear like the opening of that song, they all go, "Oh man!" Like everyone knows that song, even though they haven't heard it in five years. And I I crush it, dude. I'm just letting you know. Oh, I gotta man. see this. Hey, I, hey, I'll tell you what: we if we're if we're on the road at all this year, we're going to find a karaoke bar. I'll tell you that. Hey, Travis, one more thing before we let you go. Drop your crystal ball for Caden Green. Where's he going? Oklahoma. I mean, am I, am I a member of the media enough to drop crystal balls now? Yes, you are. Yes. Yes, you are. Okay, cool. Yeah, o- Oklahoma. Yeah, I think we yeah. all agree here. Three, I mean, three across yeah. for Caden Green. Yeah, and, 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 and now it's the situation. I know people are lining up their visits and all that. We – you know, as we've talked about is, you know, Venables wants people to wait, wants people to make sure. You know, that's why I'm not here stressing out too much about the 2023 class compared to some people because it's just this is this is what we needed to get used to in the transition. We need to get used to, you know, the Alabama-esque classes in May ranked in the 30s and 40s, and then you make a strong push, and then you don't get flipped on on signing day. You know, so, yeah, I think Caden Green's going to be a Sooner, and I'm excited to see who he can bring with because uh, Parker, as you've noted plenty of times, uh, that's a guy with a, an infectious personality uh, that can influence others in a positive way. Uh, so we will see how that ends up. Are you joining us tomorrow night in OKC at the caravan? Um, I will definitely be in OKC. Uh, I'm, I'd, I'd love to come to the caravan. i got to look at tickets, but um, – are you yeah, at least coming by up. the Omni to, like, hand out T-shirts and hang out for a bit? Of course. Okay, of sweet. Course. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, I'll be there. Parker's going to be there. Travis Davidson is going to be there. Uh, a lot of us at the ref are going to be at the OKC Coaches Caravan tomorrow, so that's going to be a lot of fun. All right, dude. Well, I guess uh, see you at the Omni tomorrow, and uh, we'll, we'll do the thing on uh, Friday as well from 3 to 6. Man, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate you guys always having me on. So bet, I'll man. see you guys tomorrow. All right, see you. There you go. Travis Davidson, at Travis Skoll, S-K-O-L, on Twitter. One final segment of Locked In is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Come on, hit it, Tyler. Tried to tell you all. All of you heard this, and you were like, yeah, I haven't heard this in five years, but he's right. This is actually a pretty good song, especially when it hits the chorus. Yeah. Hey, whatever. if I make the bull trip this year, and especially if it's in the if it's uh, at the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, it'll happen. Don't don't you worry about that. It's definitely going to happen. But according to the over under Parker, does it look like OU's going to be sniffing a New Year's Six Bowl this year? Because I continue to see over under for wins for OU at eight and a half, and I'm like, what? Huh? Huh? What? I know Vegas isn't in the business of losing money, but. I feel this is a losing proposition to put OU at eight and a half wins. Yeah, it this is. Year. I I am tempted to bet a lot of money on the over if that is. Yeah, the this would be the first time in a long time where the over could hit, and it still does not guarantee a successful season. No, no it doesn't. Because I don't think unless something dramatic were to happen, which to me would be an injury to Dylan Gabriel, I don't think a nine and three season we're going to be rolling into the off uh, off season saying, oh yeah, that was a really good year because the over under on wins was eight and a half. I think the expectations are much higher than uh, winning nine games this year. Much higher.
they, really, they start at 10, and you ca- kind of have to go up from there. You can win 10, but you also better win the Big 12 if you're only going to win 10 games this year. Eight and a half wins. Like, how do, how, how, how do you bet the under and feel good about that? That's the thing. Like, most of those – and you're right. Vegas isn't in the business of losing money. So, with most of these lines, with most of these win total lines – Typically, you're like, well, okay, I, I, I could bet the under, but it might go over, or I could bet the over, but there's a real good chance it goes under. With Oklahoma, it's like, okay, how do you bet the under at 8.5 and legitimately feel good about that? And oh, by the way, they got booty now. So yes, they do. even if Dylan Gabriel yep. goes down, three C's, booty. Yeah, booty time. Um, hoping he wins the backup quarterback job, but that's what's going to have to happen for the under on 8.5 to hit. Parker, if you're betting the under on eight and a half, what you're saying is, I think Dylan Gabriel is going to suffer a major injury at some point in the year. And I would not put a whole lot of money on Dylan Gabriel suffering a a major injury at some point this year. I know that he got injured last year. He had one of those, but I don't know, man. Um, I think the offensive line play is going to be a lot improved from last year. The running game is going to be solid. I think that Dylan Gabriel is probably going to stay upright and, and stay healthy for the entirety of the season. But I don't know, man. It just uh, it baffles me that that's the over-under. By the way, you got a preference on the one seven three six model for the SEC scheduling? Eh, it doesn't much matter to me. I would say 3-6 probably makes more sense. If I favor one, I probably favor that one. Three six is fine, depending on who they want to put in the three. Don't give me like Missouri, uh, Kentucky, and Texas or anything like that. Arkansas, three good. Texas, A and M. That is who I want. I'll settle for that. I do would like some Florida or Georgia or Tennessee in there somewhere. Just someone random like that out in the east. I think that'd be fun. But just no Missouri, and I'm down for the three six. All right, that'll do it for Parker. The Rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We are the Homeless Center fans.